Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Sal Dietry, the co-host of Grace in 30, a show about people and organizations living by grace and a call to action to you, our listeners, to get involved in your community. I'm joined tonight by Jane Owachu, the Director of Development and Communications for Baltimore Corps. Jay joins us to talk about their mission to begin building equity across the people and all the city of Baltimore. Jay, my friend, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, let me set the let me set the tone here. Look, Baltimore and, and you and I talked before I lived there, you know, it, it's it's a city that is rising. It's a city that's got a lot of great things going on. Companies like Under Armour and others are doing amazing things up there. But it's also a city that is still trying to to rebuild and is reeling, you know, in 2015 a- after the arrest and, and death of Freddie Gray. There was, you know, tremendous violence there, you know, tensions between police, the African-American community, the community as a whole. And there was, you know, a sense maybe of hopelessness from people there in in certain areas. You folks have stepped forward, uh, you know, with a goal of revitalizing the city and bringing stakeholders together in which you talk about building equity in the city's future. You know, tell us about Baltimore Corps, when it got started, why? Uh, sounds good. Thanks for having me once again, and I appreciate the conversation. Uh, Baltimore Core is a nonprofit startup uh, founded in uh, 2013 by our founder, uh, Fagan Harris. Uh, Fagan is a um, a young person, to say the least, a millennial who uh, went to st- out to Stanford for undergrad, coming out of Baltimore. Um, is a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, had some experiences working in the White House uh, at the um, NAACP. Um, and really had an opportunity to go to the private sector wherever else he wanted. Um, right. But decided to come back to Baltimore and look for an opportunity to really serve the community. Uh, after doing some research, uh, staying in his mom's basement and all that good stuff, uh, I if, if saw this need from this conversation that he was having um, about just understanding the fact that Baltimore is a city where if you really look at it um, from an asset based framework, right? So what are the things that we do have versus the things that we don't have going for us? Um, if we really t- take that approach to Baltimore, we realize very, he realized very quickly and we realize it today that Baltimore actually has a lot of good things going for it, right? You bet. When we think about all the, the, the ingredients that you need to make a city a better place for all of its citizens, Baltimore has all of that. So we have passionate people who are, who are doing the work every single day. We have systems that are in place um, whether it's funding, whether it's just other ways uh, to, to be able to uh, tackle some of these issues that we're dealing with, and the resources are there. Um, the one gap was that can we make sure that the right people with the right talent mix are at the right opportunity at the right time to make sure that the citizens of Baltimore, especially in the social impact sector, when we think about the nonprofits, government agencies, and the smaller social en- enterprise organizations, to make sure those folks are actually, the citizens of Baltimore are getting the most out of the services that are, that are provided to them. Yeah, you, you refer to yourselves as a network backed by an organization. And, and one of the things you talk about is where this tapestry of, of small businesses, large social enterprises, nonprofits, government agencies, sort of all coming together. Um, tell us a little bit about your fellows model. You guys have a model that's really unique where you're trying to bring people in and sort of build this network in the city. Right, um, so when the organization was founded, the idea was to start with this fellowship model, uh, essentially saying that we know these organizations in Baltimore 
have unique needs. There are major organizations that have innovative ideas that they want to implement. We have small nonprofits that are starting up or small social entrepreneur um, entrepreneurship organizations that are starting up, but they had a short-term need to really get something off the ground. So the fellowship idea was designed around the fact that we can take a talented person, put them in a role for a year, provide them with a bunch of support around professional development. A lot of them already come with those things, but what else can we do to cater their experiences? Uh, to make them as effective as possible um, and give them this one year to really, really do amazing things for the organizations where they are partnered with. And that's how we kind of started the, uh, the organization three years ago. And now we're in our third cycle of the fellowship. And this includes people that are that are nonprofits, um, corporate organizations. Uh, is it focused solely on millennials or are they uh, seem to be attracted to what you're trying to do there? Um, I mean, obviously, if, when you think about this talent shift when we are travel around the country to get f- folks to come to Baltimore from San Francisco to focus on Baltimore problems. And as we look even within the city itself, we see a mix of people, right? So you have folks that went through just have non-traditional education training or professional training that are in Baltimore looking to affect change. And then we have folks that are picking up from the West Coast and moving to Baltimore. Um, I would say that we are really looking for fit when it comes to skills and the needs of the, the partners that we're working with. Um, we've had fellows that range in age, but I would say the majority of tend to be millennials um, just, just because of some of the work that we've been placing folks in. All right. And just to remind guests, you're, you're listening to Jay Nawachu, who's Director of Development and Communications for Baltimore Corps, an organization that's trying to bring equity and, and help rebuild the city of Baltimore. Uh, you know, Jay, your founder, Fagan Harris, uh, says, has said that Baltimore is a frontier of social change. What San Francisco is to high tech Baltimore is for social change. What does that mean? Um, For us, that really means that if you really, really look at some of the things that are happening in San Francisco, for example, in the tech sector, I go back to the conversation around ingredients and looking for the the right mix of things to happen for you to really, really have change at scale. Um, We think Baltimore is that place. When you look at those resources, again, the people, the passion, the pride in the city, um, and if we can get these things together, um, we really, really could be a frontier for social change. And we've seen that happen over the past three years and the unique work and the partnerships that we've created uh, across the, 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 the social impact sector, whether it's the foundations or corporations that are stepping up to the plate to say, we want to be able to do something too about this city. Um, the model works great uh, and we keep growing every year. And I think that that's, that's a testament to um, the fact that Baltimore is one of those prime places where people can look to if, if partnerships can be built to, to re- rebuild a city. How do you market that message that Baltimore is this, as you say, Silicon Valley of change where you want to bring innovation, you want to bring people from around the country, uh, groups together. How extensive are you out, try, as you said, maybe trying to bring people in from different areas as well as people from in the city? And how's that working for you? Um, I, I think it's not... From the onset, it could be difficult to try to prove a new model, right? But I think we are at a point now in our third cohort of fellows where we really have some amazing impact stories to share with people, right? And we, we can talk about the results from the partnerships that have come across, that have come to the table uh, just because of Baltimore Core alone and knowing that this model actually can work. So, I mean, right now, we have the data to show it, and we also have some really, really impactful stories to really, really tell people about what this could mean. Uh, for the future. So let's talk about the this cohort and group that you bring together. Uh, 
once they're, what's the onboarding process, I guess, and what do they do over their time as a fellow, both as a group and then uh, in their exposure to Baltimore, I guess? Okay. Um, so I, let me mention three things that we've, that we've place that we've placed our values on at Baltimore Core. One is effectiveness, making sure folks are doing their job and doing it well. Uh, another one is the place, as in Baltimore itself. How do we make sure Baltimore is a place where people are working collaboratively uh, for, for social good? And then uh, um, the, the, the last one um, is making sure that equity is at the forefront of everything that we do. Because if we think about the history of Baltimore, you just cannot take equity in, in, out of the conversation. So when the fellows come on board, um, they go through a series of equity-based training to make sure they understand the history of Baltimore, how equity should be a lens in what they do. Our partners are invited into that conversation. Our staff goes through this training. Um, so that's one thing that they do outside of their placement, work, work placements. And do they tour the city neighborhoods at all? Do they get a feel for what it means to be a Baltimore fellow in that respect? Yes. So during orientation, we have a one-week-long orientation period that consists of both in-classroom trainings and actually field experiences. Part of that is uh, doing uh, like a little hunt around the city to understand what the milestones um, and the major places that they should know about, some of the unique things that are happening in Baltimore, whether it's a food market issue, whatever the case may be. We're really trying to expose them to many, as much of Baltimore as possible. Because even if you think there are people in Baltimore, they don't really know Baltimore right. well in that sense. Right. And Arlington has a similar model in something called Leadership Arlington. And then they have something called, I think it's called Neighborhood uh, council where they bring people uh, together through the neighborhoods and sort of educate them on challenges in Arlington. Now, Arlington does, you know, Baltimore is on a much larger scale. You, you know, as you bring this up, I, I wonder if the district has anything like this because um, the district is so different as you move through neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It, it's political environment, the cultural aspects of it, the needs of that. And I wonder if, in fact, you folks are truly building a model like Silicon Valley where this might be uh, sort of franchised yeah. into other markets successfully. I mean, yeah, so I mean, we've gotten calls, right, from other cities across, both domestically and internationally, actually. Wow. Um, folks just asking, what are you exactly are you doing? How is this working out? We've provided insight where we could, um, but for right now, our focus is to make sure that Baltimore is a place where we build a strong model, um, and if and when we choose to franchise and look at our opportunities, we want to make sure we're doing it from a very sound and secure place. Um, that's really where we are right now in that, in that process. Now, in the last uh, two years, I think I read on your website, you've placed 45 fellows in leadership roles. Uh, how do you go about that matching volunteers in an organization with their motivations. You, you folks place a lot of emphasis on that. And I think that's really great because one of the things we try and do on this show is give people an opportunity to stop and say, am I happy with what I'm doing every day in life? And stop and ask themselves, what's my mission? What was I really put on this earth to do? You know, and people can do that through their faith. They can do that by turning to their spouse, to their family, some combination of that and getting some real feedback and saying, what what makes them happy? And a lot of times when we interview uh, nonprofits, one of the things they'll say is, uh, you know, take the time to really get involved with something and see if you love it. Don't just stroke a check, but really spend the time to, to match. How do you folks go about 
matching that? Because it's obviously been very successful. You've had 45 fellows uh, put placed in leadership positions in the right. past two years. Um, so it's funny. I come from a talent acquisition background. So I did mostly private sector recruiting for 13 years before I came to Baltimore Corps. And, you know, in private sector, we talk about resumes, resumes, resumes. Uniquely at Baltimore Corps, they've spent the first year building out an entire system where you don't see a resume when you're in the matching process. Because we want to make it less about this look and feel of what good looks like. So in the application process, we're asking folks what their passions are, how they've actually lived into some of the things they're talking about. Um, and then when the organizations that we're partnered with are looking at their profiles, they're really not looking at a resume. They're looking at a version of a resume that's not a typical resume. So you're not looking for the prettiest resume. You're looking for actual content and actual things that people can bring to the table. Um, and then the employers are able to look through the profiles that we recommend to them based on our screening processes that we have. And they actually conduct interviews and hire the right person. Uh, but one of the things I'm proud of about the organization that was invested in early is the idea of making even the matching process as equitable as possible by removing some of the typical barriers that we have in traditional employment senses. And I get that because for me, when I look at 300 resumes, I'm starting with the ones that were put together the best first, right? Not right. even considering skill. Um, so that's one thing I really, really am proud of the organization for, for actually taking a step. Yeah, that's huge. You had 500 applicants last year for 35 fellowship positions. So obviously there's a huge attraction and draw to what you folks are doing. And, and part of that is this idea of the fellowship and the mission that people can kind of come around. And I think that is just huge for anyone who is looking for an organization to help shepherd them and grow with that organization. I think what you folks are doing is, is again, maybe a model for others to consider because, you know, it's interesting. You can look at resumes and not really see uh, someone's background, Yeah. you know, and I think there's a lot of look across corporate America now to find talented people who maybe their resumes don't quite match up with all the buzzwords. You see that in high tech a lot. <laughs> right. So I think call, across the country, we're looking to get deeper into, you know, again, what makes people happy every day? Where, yeah. where are their passions lie? Um, you've made some inroads as, as I look at your website, uh, informing the network of fellows. It looks like a lot of folks from city government and nonprofits. Have you started to break in a little bit more to the corporate world? I noticed you had one fellow from Leg Mason. Mm -hmm. We actually do. Um, so Leg Mason took on a fellow this year as our first time placing someone in a corporate environment. But obviously, they took the person in a social impact role. So it's in the corporate social responsibility department where they're looking at how Leg Mason is doing philanthropy in Baltimore. Um, some folks don't really think about corporations like that a lot of times about their role in helping to uplift the city. Right. The Baltimore corporations are th thinking just that. The T. Rowe Price Foundation just came on board for next cycle in advance and say they're going to pick up a fellow because they see this model working and they realize that they also have a voice in this process as well. So um, for us, social impact spans across all types of organizations that actually have an impact in the city. Yeah, th that's great because you know corporations are where the money is, yeah. right? And they are deeply invested in this concept, I believe, that you're trying to spread of corporations for good yeah. is, is so counter to what, you know, when I grew up in the 80s, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, you know, it was, it was a culture of Wall Street, yeah. which was, you know, stock prices build it up by the BMW, by the big house and success. And what a lot of studies have shown is that people end up miserable in those situations. So I think what you're trying to do is break into the corporate world and give people an opportunity to it, it, to contribute and explore the social aspects through their corporate career yeah. is huge. And let me mention this too. So as, as while we now have corporations wanting to take talent, since the beginning we've had corporations writing 
checks so that we can fund opportunities for other smaller organizations who were not able to afford it, if that makes sense. So they've been there since the beginning. Now it's not just, let me give you money to put fellows somewhere else. It's let me take a fellow for myself, which I think is a unique way of, of expanding what that could look like as well. That's great. Yeah, we're, li- we're talking with Jay Nuachu, who is Director of Development and Communications for Baltimore Corps, an organization that is helping to revitalize and bring equity to the people in the city of Baltimore. Um, look, tell us about some of your fellows, the, the program organizations that they're involved in. You guys have a plethora of opportunities that you're sort of building, these seedlings of opportunities on your website. But you, I know you've got a few that are on your heart you want to share with us. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I love about it is the fact that we touch so many different types of organizations, right? So if we're looking at in academia, we have a fellow at Coppin State University, a small HBCU in the heart of Baltimore, in the heart of West Baltimore. Uh, we have a fellow there that's looking at how can we um, help the students that are coming to that small university get through the college process and be able to start careers, right? Because a lot of times we look at the bigger systems for for where we get talent from, but how do we make sure that these uh, the, these smaller schools that are actually pulling talent from the community have an opportunity to be able to enter the workforce in their own community as well? So we have one person there. Another one that we have is pretty unique these days. Is, uh, we have a fellow at the police department in Baltimore. Um, right, we I saw fe- that. We have a fellow that's actually working with the person who is helping to implement a consent degree from the DOJ. That's Talk great. about important work, right? Um, and she comes from a city planning background in San Francisco, and she came to Baltimore to say, hey, there's this thing going on in Baltimore. I want to be a part of it. And now she's connected with the police department and helping to help them figure out strategies to help you know, make sure that uh, the consent degree is being lived out uh, in, the, in the best way possible with equity in mind, obviously, right? Um, and then one more I put out there is... Um, is the like Mason one I already talked about and looking at the corporate angle of it uh, and, and seeing how, how the breadth of, of the type of organizations that we're working with. Now, let me ask you about one. I, I know those are your favorites, sure. but um, Circle of Voices mm-hmm. is a program that you have going on which uh, helps people start having conversations right. in different neighborhoods, sitting right. down, breaking bread, talking about issues in Baltimore. That seems to me, you know, to be critical as well. Yeah. Tell me about some of the success you're having there, sort right. of spreading that out through Baltimore. Gotcha. So Circle of Voices actually is an organization that we placed a fellow in. Oh, uh, got right? it. Okay, but, sorry. But Circle of Voices in itself is ran by the gentleman J.C. Falk, who's a diversity trainer for many, many years, even in the private sector. But even after the unrest, he saw an opportunity to say, if we keep doing trainings about diversity in private sector, how, why can't we take this into the community to talk about things? So now he was a one-man show right doing this now he has a fellow assigned to him to help make sure we can amplify the work that he's doing even more um and check out circle of voices they're doing amazing work and just helping to bring people to have conversations on a day-to-day basis it sounds like a future guest maybe for our show oh certainly please get 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 jc here (laughs) yeah connect (laughs) us up um any other of your partners you want to give a shout out to that uh that either are doing on the social side or the corporate side that you know you might want to give some kudos to sure i mean one of our our largest partners is this the baltimore city health department they've been with us for, since the beginning um immediately after the unrest it took six fellows i believe uh, to come and do work around um to f- attack the issue that was really in the community around overdoses because of the influx of of certain types of drugs in the streets based after the unrest um and since then the, the, the naloxone program where they actually are training community members and giving them this naloxone uh, thing so that when they find someone who's ODing, they can actually administer it in advance, like immediately and save lives, right? Wow. And they have a count going on how many lives they've saved through this program. And the fellows were the ones who came in in the beginning and, and started doing this program, right? It's now evolved. Now we have uh, another initiative coming out of the health department in partners with Johns Hopkins that's looking at 
like students in Baltimore City, giving them free eye exams and trying to give them free glasses so that they can actually concentrate on learning versus dealing with some of the issues with the kids deal with when they can't really see well and they can't really study well and then turn into other type of truant behaviors that we see as well. So they're looking at very unique ways of addressing public health issues in the city. Um, so the city health department is really, really on the forefront and dealing with a lot of this challenge. I'm going to give them some, some shout out as well. Yeah, that's great. I mean, look, health is at the basic. So many times we have on this show people who are involved in trying to help with housing, healthcare, because these are the basic tenants that allow us to succeed mm-hmm. in, in any in any area. Um, look, tell me, do you have any initiatives where you're really focused on, you know, helping young minorities develop work skills and find employment? I, I saw on your website, you've got uh, the Elevation Awards. Right. Tell so, me a little bit about what you're trying to do there. Um, so, when it, so we just started Elevation Awards in just in 2016. So we're expanding our program in a little bit. Elevation Awards is one of those, right? Um, and what we what we found out through a partnership with the T. Rowe Price Foundation was that um, so right now we're placing fellows in organizations that are somewhat established, right? But we recognize that even in the community of West Baltimore, where the unrest happened, there are individuals who have amazing ideas on how to uplift their own communities but they just don't have the resources or the know-how to get those ideas off the ground. Right. So the Elevation Awards essentially is saying, we're gonna take people, we're gonna give them $10,000 grants to, and then provide them with coaching, uh, 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 someone who's gonna walk them through this process for a year of actually bringing their idea to a place where they can actually go shop it around for more funding and, and actually start organizations within the community for the community. We started with three grants uh, in September when we launched. Uh, we just literally, I called five additional people on Christmas Eve to say five more people are going to get grants because another funder stepped to the table and said, well, let's expand. This is a great idea. So now we have eight starting this month that are going to be working on their projects for the next couple of months. And re- I mean, the ideas that we have on the table, someone has a, a food truck type situation where they actually want to use it to do laundry for homeless people, right? Somebody idea. wants to have a... a a medication delivery service for the, the oldest citizens in what's Baltimore because during the unrest, one of the biggest challenges were people just couldn't get their medication, especially the, the older individuals in the community. Right. This person saw that and said, why can't we just deliver drugs to, to older people in general? Yeah. Right? Why, why make them go through hell, really, to go f- pick up medication? Right. right. Those are just two unique ideas that are coming out of this, right? And it's just one of those things where, where people really, really have an opportunity. I, brilliant ideas can come to the table, and we're really proud of that that new program and what that could look like for the future of Baltimore. You should be. I, I, more companies should have these sort of seedlings within their own workforce that probably find huge employee retention. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't cost a lot and it shows tremendous uh, vesting and interest in your case in the community and other cases in the employee and in the corporation itself. Uh, maybe that'll be something that rubs off on some of your corporate, corporate partners is this idea of sort of this entrepreneurial seedlings in certainly, many ways. Certainly. I mean, the one thing we also think about is the fact that, I mean, Baltimore, it's crazy enough when you think about it, when you think about nonprofits or social service organizations that have a budget of over a million dollars, I think you can count on one hand how many of those individuals and leaders of color that are leading those organizations, right? right. So it's how do we start spreading seeds to make sure that folks are able to develop ideas and grow into organizations where we have diversity at the top of the food chain as well and who is making policies around the issues that are affecting a city with such um, with such a very unique need. And are you seeing any uh, I- potential partners in trusts or funds that are exist here in the district? Is it uh, starting to bleed over a little bit? Because what you're doing is just is just blowing me away. It's so innovative at every aspect of trying to get people together, building equity in smart ways, entrepreneurial ways. Yeah, I will say Baltimore Core. Even in the beginning, I get Fagan a lot of credit for thinking outside of the box on this. 
our funding model is not based solely on Baltimore. We have folks funding our program from across the country because they have a deeply vested interest in Baltimore for some reason or another. That's DC included as well. So um, I, we have a very good mix of the type of folks who are bringing resources to our organization. A good number of them in Baltimore, a number of them are across the country, actually, which is pretty cool. And what led you, Jay, to, to kind of join? You touched on that a little bit in the beginning, but you know, what what was sort of a driver for you to get involved with Baltimore Corps? <laughs> really odd, um, because when I came to Baltimore Corps, when I left my last employer, I was there for six and a half years. I was pretty secure in my job. Uh, my wife and I just had our first child, right? Um, uh, it was just one of those things where I'm not going anywhere for a while. I have security where I am. Right. And then somebody at Baltimore Corps randomly found me on LinkedIn just by doing a search and then sent me an email. And I'm like, who are you? And what is a Baltimore Corps? And what right. exactly do you do again? And I engaged in a 15-minute conversation, and I just kept telling myself, no, not right now, not right now. But God somehow kept telling me, no, yes, right now, do it. It took a few months of lunches and all those things. And my wife kept looking at me and saying, if God's talking to you, you better listen, because I'm not going to be the one to stop you. <laughs> that's right. right that's right. Yeah. Um, and that's really it. That's how I got to Baltimore Corps. Um, really exciting place to be. Um, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be any happier right now. It's yeah. a really pretty cool place to be. That's great. I'm, I'm just finished a book uh, by a motivational writer, Matthew Kelly. It's probably one of my favorite books. And he talked about, you know, you've got to stop and ask God, what, what, what did you put me here for? Right. And you got to stop filling. If you fill it in with all the noise, the, the house, the money, this and that, it, you're just going to keep being in the noise. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, you're just a shining example of that. Um, you know, tell us about, you guys have an event coming up at the White House in June. How did that happen? I mean, is that, is it coming up? Is that true? I, I think I might have read that. You have an event at the White House on June 6th? Yeah, so it was June 6th of 2016. Uh, got it. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But just a little about the event. And it, just, it was pretty cool to have the White House notice things that are going on in Baltimore from a collaboration standpoint and notice Baltimore Corps as an organization is in the middle of this. So really that, that event was about looking at how we can use city-based models to bring about change to a city uh, from a collaborative standpoint. Um, so that event was held with a lot of stakeholders in Baltimore coming together at the White House to talk about some of the major issues that Baltimore faced and what are some of the practical approaches that we're taking to resolving these issues. And it really was more of a brain trust to really think through some of these things. Um, but having you know the White House noticed that and want to host that at the White House to learn as well. How, how these things work was pretty cool. And, and have you seen anything potential seedlings, maybe long term, coming out of that that event? That, that certainly, I was. I mean, partnerships were formed out of that. Um, there are things that have been delivered upon from that. Uh, an email went out recently where folks from that White House event were getting together for dinner just about two, three weeks ago, right before the holidays, uh, to continue conversations around what that event brought to the table and how they can continue to maximize the opportunity with that network. Look, we're uh, we're getting close here on time. We've got about three and a half minutes okay. uh, left in the show. What, what we tend to do is always ask our guests to, you know, give a call to action generally to our listeners. There's a lot of millennials here in Arlington. Uh, it's growing every day. I think we're the, the largest millennial population of any county in the United States. Wow. Um, give us give us a call to action for people who are listening and are sitting there like you did and saying, you know. I feel the need to do something uh, other than what I'm doing today or, or something what I'm doing today plus something. I, I, I take us through that. Gotcha. Just a few quick things I would say. I would say is, first of all, you don't have to leave your job <laughs> right, to right. do something. Get right? started. That's right. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to leave your job. Um, but I would say pay attention to your local, to, to pay attention locally. 
right? A lot of us are looking for big issues, right? Uh, especially within with the political climate that we have right now, it's all looking at the national politics, right? But a lot of things are really happening at the local level. Some of the best change makers are the ones that are most, the closest to the problems locally. I would just say, just look around you and figure out a way to just do something, right? That's the one thing I would say. Um, another one is to pray. I, I always pray for Baltimore, right? We, we are a city that's doing amazing things, but we're far from perfect, right? If you were praying tonight, just throw Baltimore City in your prayers. That'd be, that'd be helpful. I like that. And the last one is engage with Baltimore Court, right? Follow our social media pages because of the fact that we have ways for people to, to engage, whether it's joining to be a fellow, whether it's um, uh, just attending some of the events that we're going to be having it, having in the future, whether it's training around equity or whatever the case may be. There are other networking events that we highlight. There are events that our partners in the network are doing that we highlight as well so folks can know what's going on in Baltimore. I would just say just go to our social media pages and stay engaged there. Yeah, I like how you said take a small step. Be local. Be even micro. Maybe just go talk to an elderly neighbor on your street yeah. who no one talks to. Take that first step and that next step might be a run. Yeah. You know, from there. And, and for you it was, man. One one uh, LinkedIn thing uh, and, and your faith led you to this incredible career. And I got to tell you, what you guys are doing is amazing. Uh, anything you'd like people to know about Baltimore, its residents, you know, one more plug for the city. I'll tell you, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, but I, I love living <laughs> in Baltimore. It's a great place. I love getting up there. Uh, it's I, What I love about Baltimore is that Baltimore is, a, is one of those cities very resilient, right? And Baltimore is one of those cities that managed to keep you around if you stick around long enough. And I say that because I went there for undergrad, went there for grad school, was working there, and then I kept trying to come back to D.C. for some reason. Well, for some reason, every year, I could find another reason to stay in Baltimore. I think Baltimore is one of those places where if you really, really open your eyes, there's a sea of possibilities in Baltimore for folks that want to be able to consider Baltimore as there's a playground or a place to live, right? Or as a place to work. So I would just just put that out there. We have challenges, but there are many good things going on in Baltimore. Well, Jay, thank you for joining us. Uh, for listeners who want to find out more about Baltimore Core, visit their website at baltimorecore.org. Uh, this show is going to replay uh, this Sunday at 8.30, as it always, 8.30 a.m., as it always does. Uh, you can get uh, a download of this uh, on the WERA.org website and also uh, on our Facebook page. This is Sal Dietry signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great day and be sure to tune in to Grace. <laughs>